Well, Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Once again, we are blessed to have another episode of Winners Win, Leaders Lead with Van Malone. Tonight, our guest is the accomplished Sean Frazier. Sean has been a leader in collegiate athletics for many years and uh, some, someone that, that young coaches and administrators uh, have, have talked about throughout the country. And Sean, I, I'm, man, I, I just feel so blessed to, to have you on. Uh, this this podcast started uh, with an opportunity to to jump on with leaders in collegiate sports, and honestly, I was very reluctant to 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 do it at first. But uh, over the course of months, I, I've had so many people come and and share that they've benefited from the guests. We've had athletic directors, we've had conference commissioners, we've had head coaches. We've had even a Super Bowl winning coach on mm -hmm. our podcast. And, uh, you know, each time, honestly, each time I've had opportunity to learn. And so I, I really consider this to be no different. Um, as, as we talk, our, our guest tonight, Sean Frazier, is the athletic director at Northern mm -hmm. Illinois University. But I'm not going to get into your story because it's a very unique story. Uh, but I, I, I'd, I'd definitely... Uh, feel like we need to share it with our with our viewers and our listeners. Sean, take us through your story from from being a collegiate football player to now being uh, an athletic director at Northern Illinois University. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for having me, and I appreciate you you doing this. Obviously, to have a chance to be able to talk about about uh, athletic administration, but more importantly you know, the opportunities for, for others to be able to pursue their dreams. If it's uh, being a coach, if it's being an administrator, any way that I can give back, uh, I want to do. So I commend you uh, for having this platform to be able to have that conversation. So so for me, you know, it, uh, as, a, as a student athlete, like many of us, it, it started uh, on the football field for me. You know, I grew up in Queens, New York, and then uh, um, uh, transitioned out to Long Island, New York, and and quite frankly, uh, that's where, where, where it was for me as far as having some level of identity around sport. And football was my, uh, was, was my thing. It was my, uh, my passion and still is my passion. Uh, and just being around um, competition. So, so that manifests into an opportunity uh, going through, uh, you know, Pop Warner all the way up to PAL to high school and then getting an opportunity uh, to play collegiately. And that opportunity actually landed uh, at, at, at a state that has a lot of uh, uh, Frazier uh, background, the state, great state of Alabama. And I was able to uh, play at the University of Alabama. Uh, and my roots are run deep in both Gadsden and Birmingham, Alabama. So it was a great opportunity to play for the Crimson Tide. Uh, uh, saw a lot of competition, saw a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of great things. Uh, have an opportunity to go to university that a lot of some of my ancestors were, were not allowed to go to. Um, actually, my mother went to Tuskegee Institute. <clears throat> and at one point, I actually asked her, why, why didn't you go to the University of Alabama? That's how naive and lack of, uh, of education I had uh, back in those days. Uh, obviously, the civil rights movement and issues that, that, that came about. So, so going to the University of Alabama was quite uh, significant uh, for me uh, from a race-based situation, but also, too, from an access and opportunity. Uh, and I had a great experience at Alabama. Uh, and uh, 
uh, I had a great quality of student athlete experience, which actually shaped me for my current career. Because during that time, um, the passion around how Alabama treated its athletes, uh, specifically football, um, really shaped the way what I wanted to be. So that actually, you know, going through that process, I, I was not good enough. And I can say that publicly. I say a lot to be able to play at the next level. Right. Um, but what it did for me is that, you know, be able to compete at that level and to see things. It did shape my 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 passion to make sure that student athletes had the same level of experience. I was treated fantastically, and um, and I really uh, kudos to the University of Alabama uh, for keeping that level of expectation of excellence there. So I definitely understand. Uh, the game of football, uh, having been a player there, but also to the expectations that go along about winning championships. It's one thing that uh, I like to see that it's still happening at, yes. at the University of Alabama. So, so I actually, uh, after that experience, went back uh, back east uh, and uh, started a a coaching career, uh, like many of us who are in this track. Um, I, w- I came out of Alabama. Uh, okay, knew that I was going to play at the next level, uh, but loved the strength and conditioning. Uh, sports performance side. So I actually pursued a career in that and actually landed at Boston University and worked with uh, a number of individuals there and had my first coaching experience and I had a chance to uh, do a lot of different things. But one of the things that ended up happening for me was I was introduced to the game of collegiate ice hockey. Right. So going from football to collegiate ice hockey and working with uh, a famed head coach by the name of Jackie Parker, who, uh, who was a national championship coach who was fantastic and some of the things I was doing for college uh, football I said hey you know I'd like you to work with uh, my athletes and I didn't have I didn't want to work with anything ice hockey related I said you know what coach I'm working with the football program he says now you don't understand at Boston <laughs> University is ice hockey I said okay, right. okay I understand where you're coming from I get it uh, but I didn't want to have anything to do with that but thank God uh, I did pay attention to that did work with him uh, and then work with a number of folks, but uh, I got my taste there. At that point in time, looking for assistant coach, uh, one of the coaches on the BU staff got a job at the University of Maine uh, and took me with him as his defensive line assistant. And uh, so I went to University of Maine. But what was interesting about the Uni- University of Maine, it was also an ice hockey school too that had right. football. So I went up to the University of Maine, was significant about the University of Maine, and actually opened up my eyes about uh, the administrative side. So when I got up there, and this is an Orono, Maine, very, very isolated area uh, uh, in the heart of the great state of Maine. But what it did for me is that I, I wanted to pursue some, some other things. And uh, I had a mentor that uh, grabbed a hold of me and said, you know, Sean, you need to do more than just coach. You need to be a mentor uh, to folks of color, but all the folks that are trying to do what you want to do. Uh, Dr. Sherry Clark is her name. She actually was the Dean of Multicultural Student Affairs. And she kind of called me out. And she basically said to me, said, you need to do more than just coach. You need to mentor. You need to throw the rope back over the fence for other people. And at that point, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a young uh, 23, 24-year-old trying to get my career together. And I'm listening to her and I'm saying, oh, this woman's extremely aggressive. You know, I I don't understand. (laughs) But at that age point, I just said, you know what? You know, I'm going to listen to her. She told me that I should go back to school get a, a, a graduate degree. And you know what, while you're here, you should be doing good. You should be doing the things that are necessary to help young people and specifically young people of color see their dreams. So at University of Maine, I went from a minute from being a coach into administration and, and doing a number of things. I cut my teeth on higher education administration, understanding athletic administration, and understanding uh, issues of multiculturalism, diversity, inclusion, equity. So everything you can imagine going on. And again, think about this, very remote area uh, of of Maine, uh, recruiting areas, minorities to this remote area. So yes, we had the typical issues and challenges. So it was a great laboratory for me to be the answer. So I spent about five and a half, six years there through different roles and actually transitioned into athletic administration, became an assistant athletic director. So it was interesting going through that because I had no intention to leave coaching, but it was a watershed moment for me of discovery about who I am and what I want to do uh, during life. So at that point, I'm about 29, almost 30 years of age. Actually, uh, was at a point where, you know, this might be a critical time to maybe move from Maine, maybe go back into coaching or not, and get a call uh, from Manhattanville College uh, to be their athletic director. 
uh, Mahatmaw College, private institution in Westchester County, uh, and they were looking for an AD uh, and at the Division Three level. And that was a great opportunity because the president also wanted to start men's and women's ice hockey. So, <laughs> so think about the whole connectivity, right? So right. Boston University, Maine. At Maine, I also was a part. Uh, Maine had won the national uh, title for men's ice hockey in 1999. Yeah. Big deal, was a part of the overall administration of that. Obviously, Manhattanville and this particular president, who's fantastic, he's looking at all that. He wants to start Division One ice hockey. He wants to get the best, and then he contacts a former New Yorker uh, and sees that and then contacts me, and I said, you know, sir, I, I, you know, I don't have that experience. So, no, you're exactly what we want. We want you yeah. to come down here and start this program. So, you know, I take the job. I'm 30 years of age and a director of athletics at the Division Three level but starting men's and women's ice hockey, which defined who I was. Probably wasn't ready for the job, probably wasn't uh, a, a totally qualified, but this president saw something in me and said, you know what, I need you to start these programs and I know you can do it. And by the way, you know, hey, uh, make it happen. So <coughs> it was a great opportunity uh, and we did that. And uh, I, had to, I had to tell him that we, we could not play division one because the NCAA division three rules are that it would be non-scholarship if we did uh, Division One, uh, and that would not really help us to be competitive. So right now, Manhattanville has unbelievable uh, 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 men's and women's ice hockey programs that are very competitive, and we did a great job there. Uh, and uh, it really worked. That was a great laboratory for me to learn to be an athletic director. Again, age 30, I'm a director of athletics, uh, and it was a great experience. So at that point, people are taking notice. A school by the name of Clarkson University, uh, who is a hybrid, who has Division I uh, men's ice hockey and Division Three everything else. They were seeing, they were watching, they were seeing what was happening at Manhattanville. And I got contacted. And you know what? They were saying, you know what? Uh, we'd like for you to be the athletic director here. Now, this school is on the border of Canada and New York, the St. Lawrence River. So think about remote areas. Talk about oh, paying yeah. dues, talk about being in places, being a person of color, taking a part of opportunities. And so I took this job. And it was an unbelievable situation where they also needed to come into compliance with Title IX and some other things. And they needed to start a women's sport uh, that was uh, a, a partner to men's uh, ice hockey. So they needed to start a women's ice hockey program. So I actually created a women's ice hockey at the Division One level at Clarkson. Okay. So it was an interesting process that was multi-divisional. Division One, uh, men's and women's ice hockey, and Division Three, and everything else. So that was a different challenge for me. And it was a great challenge and the great people. Uh, Clarkson is a science and engineering institution, highly academic. Uh, some of the best uh, engineers in the country uh, go there, uh, a private institution, different experience, but they love their ice hockey. So right. I had a chance to uh, resurrect that and do that and start uh, women's ice hockey. The great story about uh, Clarkson, they have won a number of women's ice hockey division one national championships with the, 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 the platform that we created there. So I, not that I was there during the time they won those national championships, but, but it worked, it worked. And we created something and kudos to Clarkson and their passion around ice hockey. So I, from there, I went back to uh, the Boston area where my wife's family resides. Uh, my wife is Dominicano um, from Spanish Harlem, 129th street, uh, uh, but most of her family lived uh, in uh, the Boston area. It was really important to reconnect with her mother and her people. Great, great situation. So I took a job uh, at uh, Miramac College, was recruited there, and there is the Division II experience. They were Division II and all of their sports, including football, and Division One in ice hockey. You see a theme there That's with right. ice hockey? Uh, again, in truth and lending, never played, never coached, just been associate that because of my strength conditioning background and the path that I took. So at Miramac, I thought I was going to set, settle down. I thought that was going to be it. We were going to you know, co close shop and we we're going to be able to live out our days. And I get a phone call uh, from Barry Alvarez uh, at the University of Wisconsin. And I had been about two years into the job. And uh, again, we've got the ice hockey thing working. We were doing everything on Division Two, And uh, it was a great experience for me. But uh, Barry was looking for somebody uh, that understood, here we go, ice hockey. That's one. <laughs> They had just won national titles in both men's and women's ice hockey at the Division I level. So he was looking for somebody to continue that process, but also, too, who had a background in football, who, who, who had been a sitting athletic director. And if you know anything about Barry Alvarez, he is 
by far the best tactician, one of the best coaches, Hall of Fame, uh, unbelievable human being. And uh, he was matter of fact, and it was interesting getting that, that call. Uh, uh, there's a person in there that I don't want to forget that, 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 that really made this happen it was Merritt Novell. He actually passed away this past year, and he was a former athletic director of Michigan State. He played at the University of, uh, of Wisconsin and was the go-between that connected Barry and me. So I don't want to let, not have that. God bless his soul. Right. He's the one that knew about me and knew that I had the hockey background and knew that I had the football background and connected me and Barry together. But that's how we got together. In uh, and, and, and Barry form, he, true form, he recruited me, recruited my wife and his best broken Spanish that I do remember. Uh, and it was interesting having that conversation. So I went out, had a visit with Barry. Uh, it was a great recruitment. Uh, never been in the Midwest, never been in Wisconsin. Uh, just fell in love. Uh, just fell in love. Uh, I will say that University of Wisconsin, quintessential balance in academics and athletics, just unbelievable place. And it was a great run. I actually went back, we played, it won a number of national titles, been involved with uh, football, all the sports, rose through the ranks from associate athletic director all the way up to, to deputy over a six and a half year uh, stint. And it was a great, great opportunity. And do not trade that for the world. Uh, so got there and, and, and went through a time with Barry uh, and then saw an opportunity at, at NIU at a point where I was athletic director coming there, uh, been associate to deputy and then needing to be able to run my own program uh, at the FBS level. And NIU came calling, uh, looking to do that uh, here uh, in DeKalb. And that's how I got here. I got recruited by, uh, by a president that's extremely passionate and wanted to uh, increase visibility around diversity uh, the diversity and inclusion, as well as keep our championship ways in the area of football specifically because uh, NIU had made it to the Orange Bowl and, and has been consistent in the championship and being, quite frankly, still uh, the win percentage champion in the, entire, in the MAC as well as in the state of Illinois. So we had a lot of stuff around football that was extremely important, which was part of my DNA, but also to be more than an athletic director, to be an administrator across campus as well as in the community. So that's how I got to NIU. Eight years later, I'm here. Uh, we're doing remarkable things. We've got great student athletes, great staff, a great president, and Lisa Freeman, who's leading the charge. And uh, I, I'm just humbled to be a part of that process. So I, I gave you my 16 or over 30-year career in about uh, 10 minutes. But that, 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 that's how I got here. But hockey is always that piece that people just scratch their head. How did you get involved with hockey? So at least now people know. I got involved. <laughs> well, so I, I've heard this story before, and and each time it's it's just amazing that there are there's so many lessons as you as you sit and you listen because football coaches want to be football coaches. I, I want to be an AD. I don't want to deal with ice hockey, right? But you don't know what your path is, and and you you told me in this story how many times ice hockey came back. You told me how many doors open because of ice hockey. If you don't, if you, if you, if you didn't step out and, and follow the path that was laid for you, how many opportunities would not have come your way? Uh, and I, I, man, I, again, listening to it, yes, I heard it before, but uh, uh, one thing you didn't mention is that your wife is an attorney, yes. uh, that your wife is a law professor. And you didn't mention that, you know, when it comes to the discussions, law attorneys, they they'll spin us around. And so um, maybe you don't you don't win a lot of those arguments at the home. No, uh, those no, law no, 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 actually, that was that's a good point. Man. I'm, I'm glad you, you, you listen like the checks in the mail, because if I don't imagine that, I'm in big trouble over here. But no, what happened was that she had a very thriving uh, career back mm -hmm. in Boston. OK. Uh, and uh, yeah, with 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 a law firm, actually was with a nonprofit at the time that she wow. was very passionate about. Okay, so her specialty is immigration and domestic violence. As you as you can imagine, both of those particular areas wow. are significant in our history here, right? So what there was, there was an opportunity uh, at Wisconsin within within the the clinic structure of the law school of using that skill set. So she actually was a part of running the uh, law clinic for immigration and domestic violence, which again, as you can imagine, you know, dealing yeah. with undocumented, dealing with some of the things that go along. She's also bilingual, she's Dominicano, 
So there were some things there. So, so yeah, uh, uh, the one who's the more accomplished in this relationship is clearly, <laughs> clearly Rosa Frazier. But, mm. but it was interesting to, to see that she added value right away to to Wisconsin and what what we were trying to do. And God, I love her more than you know Earth uh, Earth that is. She's an outstanding, passionate human being. But that had to work as we kind of take a look at our careers. And it did. And she's just a fantastic human being. And I, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm truly blessed about that. I'm glad you brought that up. And I do owe you one. About yeah, that. I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> wives, on, wives on mad at this show. Um, so, so you spoke quite a bit, and you, and you always do, about diversity, about the the consideration that needs to be taken, you know, when you when you talk about diversity, and I, I think I was on with uh, Chad Chatlos last week, and we talked about, you know, the significant pressure, right? So when you lose your when you lose your football coach, or in some cases you lose your basketball coach, but let's just talk football. There's a tremendous amount of pressure to get this job filled right now, from the media, from fans, from boosters all over from the from the players right and and so when you're under that pressure i think that it's almost natural for us to go to what we know you know what i mean you go to what you know you go to what what's secure you you don't you don't you don't explore new options you don't think diversity you think what i know right you you think what i'm familiar with right now you think safe and uh i think you know, we're at a moment, we, we've been at this moment, but we're at a moment in our society where we need to we need to really consider more, more than we ever have diversity, right? And you you were on a um you were on a mock interview panel uh with, with the MCAA, the Minority Coaches Advancement Association. And the path for that group is is to do everything we can to prepare coaches. Right. And, you know, there's all there's different tracks. Right. There's a track that says we need to go to Congress. There's another track that says the NCAA needs to change. There's a, so there's all these tracks. Well, the track that that group is on, uh, which I'm a part of, is a track to prepare coaches mm -hmm. in your position. Where are you? Right. When it comes to your colleagues, how do you influence what has to be clear? That, that we need more diversity? That's a great question. You know, a younger, uh, talking to third person, but the, longer, the younger Sean Frazier had a different view on that. You know, um, I think you need to be around the table um, because I think it's important that, yes, this is a very important issue. And uh, by the way, I was so honored to be a part of that process of talking to uh to coaches and and specifically to the coach to prepare him to move forward i won't use his name but i'll just say that i was really um humbled to be a part of that process so keep on that work that's great work and uh anyway you need me in that please count me in right. i think where i'm at right now is coming up with creative solutions to help the majority to understand that diversity equity inclusion can make us a real powerful force the secret sauce at the NCAA in collegiate athletics is the diversity. I go back to my experience as a student athlete and understanding that I knew the guy from Dothan, Alabama, Enterprise, or Long Beach, or New York City was on this team. So we had a lot of different diversities. Yes, we had the racial diversity, but we had the, you know, the economic diversity, we had the regional diversity. And what made us so special is that we used all of that to harness all of that for a common goal to win. And what made us good is that we took all those differences and we left them at the doorstep and we worked together, regardless of what we look like and where we came from and who we are. Now, I'm not naive, much educated, older man to understand that these issues are important for us identity. The fact that I'm a person of color and to recognize that, I need that. I need you to understand that, okay? Right. So part of this is that as we address these issues of belongingness and acceptance and to deal with the issues that are all around us, which you don't know, you might know, my, my brother's a 
is a police officer. So think about an African-American police officer on the front line in, in, in Boston, Massachusetts. Think about, think about what's going on with our police right now and, and the issues of violence and all the other things going on. So for me, it's real every day of the week. Yeah. I love my brother. I do anything for him. For anyone to talk about the police or to talk about this, that, and the other, there's a different piece that bings off in my head about that. Okay. As a as a black man in America, I do realize that there's some differences and some issues that we are still grappling with and we need to deal with them. So going back to your original question, there are some serious discrepancies. We have some numbers issues, we have some access issues, we have some things that we need to correct. We have some issues with our women of color. We have some issues with our women. We have some issues overall that we need to deal with. But how do we deal with that? That's the technique, right? How do, we do, how do we start bringing us together? How do we start creating a shared agenda? These are all things that I believe people in my position need to grab hold of and being a part of the solution, not part of the problem. So I see it as this way. If I can, in my platform, have a conversation to bridge gap, if I can see a way where I can make an important hire, or I can talk to a majority male that's sitting in the AD role or head coaching role. That's my job. Right. To kick some in the people in the behind 24-7 on this issue, people are going to have a different approach on that. Okay? But what I got to start to do is do everything I can to start creating a shared agenda in any way I can. Right. And that's why the things that you've seen I've been involved with from our Lead One Project to just in general conversations like this, it's, it's time for us to find a common linkage or common intersection on this. And that's the only way I can lead because when I leave this earth, I wanna be able to look back and say, hey, I, I did something. I did something at least that got people, people talking and having conversations and then we moved an agenda in any way possible. So that was long-winded, but that's where I see it right now. Because you could take the, the combative tack. You can, no. And I'm not saying that's not the wrong tack. I'm just saying that for me, as a 50-something-year-old man who's now been in a 30-plus-year career through coaching, you know, administration, and everything else, and as, as, as a student-athlete, I do see that there's some commonalities, but there's still some hesitancy to get it done or pull the trigger to, to, to make these things happen. And I think the best way to do that is to give people the tools to feel comfortable to be able to do that, regardless of the race or gender component associated with that. Right. And I, I totally agree. The fact that, you know, it, again, we can't flip all the tables over, break out all the windows. That's, that's not, that's not going to be the way. And, you know, one of the things that, that we discussed post the mock interview event was the fact that we had you, we had Alan Green, we had some minority coach, or we had some coach athletic directors of color on the event. And and you know, as a as a coach, I'm always getting called, hey coach, do you do you know a uh, uh, we're looking for a coach of color to coach the wide receivers? <laughs> well, so then we're thinking, you know what? Sean Frazier is going to get a call like that. And and having an opportunity to be able to put people in front of him so that he can confidently mention a name, you know what I mean? When it when it comes time to some where someone is is calling and asking him about a, a minority coach. Uh, and so I again I applaud you. And yes, your answer might have been long-winded, but all good win. <laughs> all good win. When it's good win, it can be long. So, so let's, let's jump to your leadership. You know, um, you have a staff of people. How, how would they describe your leadership style? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, as you could probably imagine, you know, we're still in, we're in the evening here, but you know, I'm high tempo, you know, I'm high, I, I, I'm high directive, high supportive. You know, I've got a lot of energy. You know, I've been an athletic director at division one, two, and three. So NCAA one, two, and three. And it wasn't, I didn't go into it saying, okay, I want to have all divisions. I want to be an athletic director, all areas. Right. No. Um, um, I had an opportunity at Division Three. I, I talked a little bit about that. And it just happened, it just kind of flowed that way. But I, oh, I had some great mentors. 
some great people who touched my life and quite frankly said, hey, do the best you can. Do the best of the job that you're currently in and, and, and make sure people understand what you're doing and articulate that and communicate that. So for me, you know, from driving the Zamboni and ice, you know, flat, doing the ice to doing the lines at the field or whatever. So I've been doing a lot of that. And I'm not saying I know it all, but I've been in a lot of different jobs. So when, when we're working together as teammates and I look at my, the folks that work for me or with me, just that, they work with me, not for me. We work together. Uh, it's the family atmosphere. So that level of attention to detail and energy, I need to bring that. But I also like to give people the autonomy to be able to do their job. I want to hire good people and let them do a good job. So I take it from a coaching perspective. That, that's what you get with me, who's been a student athlete and a coach. You know, my job as a coach is to put my people in the proper position to be successful. Okay? So I'm going to hire those people, uh, the head coach or administrator, whatever, and you're going to do it. And you're going to come to me when you need something, when you need a tweak, when you need some thought process. So my people see that. Uh, sometimes it does frustrate them a tad in the sense, well, you really let me do this. This is right. fantastic. But, you know, I do need a little bit of uh, instruction to be able to do it. Well, if you need that, you know, in our one-on-one -on -one conversations and others, I will do that. But I really try to point out people who are self-starters, who've got energy for it, who are passionate, who don't cut corners, don't compromise standards. And I bring them in and I say, hey, I gave you this. You know, like Barry Alvarez used to say to me, I was like, you went to Hamlin school. We'll go handle that. <laughs> You're gonna probably make a mistake. That's okay. All right. But as long as I'm there to be able to kind of course correct, how are you gonna learn if you don't do? You gotta do. So I think these are real critical issues. So I'm that guy that okay, I'm gonna let you do it. If you if you make a mistake, if I see something down the line from a situational management issue or situational issue that you know I've got some experience in, I say, you know, you might want to be looking at this, this, and this because this is what could happen. So uh, I, I, I am that person that, that likes to be able to sit back and let it lead, but also to give an opportunity to those individuals who are great, basically have earned it. So that's a, that's a long way to say that, hey, you know, I'm here to support when necessary. Well, I, I, I can definitely understand that. I have the opportunity here at Kansas State um, as the assistant head coach, you know, I've been blessed, like you talked about earlier. Coach Kleiman, our head coach, came to me and said, listen, I know you want to be a head coach, and it's important to me, him as a head coach, to develop you to be ready to do that. And so I get the opportunity to run the staff meetings. I get the opportunity to deal with the press. I get the opportunity to deal with the donors because I've talked to people and they always say, well, one of the most, and, I, and, and, and listening to different mock interviews, they always ask the coach, okay, what are you doing? What are you doing at your present job yeah. to prepare yourself? What have you done? And I get the opportunity to do that. And so really what you spoke on is when uh, you put people in position and, and you, you kind of give them a safety net, but you let them go to work. Yes. I think that's that's the best way to to achieve success. All right, so let's let's change gears just a little bit. We are now in 2021. 2020 was a rough a rough year in in a lot of different ways. Um, but from from COVID protocols to initiatives uh, to deal with social justice, which by the way, all of this is still going on what did what did that do for you as a leader and how were you tested as a leader as you dealt with these issues right in your face yeah no it, what, what it all exposed us it exposed us as an industry you know i think that uh you know we look at the social uh, social justice issues you know the the racial reckoning uh you know all the things that went on with george floyd you know that uh, it really tested our systems, right? So if you weren't talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, if you weren't practicing, uh, you know, um, dealing with people's differences, uh, just in general, having conversations with student athletes, you were having a tough time because in this situation, the racial consciousness uh, really boiled over. You know, there were some things, you can go back to the 60s, 50s, you know, civil rights movement, we can go farther and farther. You know, some of the old heads and folks that have been involved with this, this is nothing new. 
This is something that America has been dealing with since the dawn of time, since we've talked about slavery and the like. So this is something a part of our DNA as Americans. This is something we deal with. But I think what you're seeing now, especially with the younger Americans and folks that are this generation that we're currently dealing with, is that, you know, they're fed up. They're tired. You know, and then what we saw that carried on in a very visual, graphic way is seeing a man who was uh, who's basically killed uh, on live TV, and that image going over and over and over again, and people just getting angry of every different race. So that changed it because it was like, oof, there it is, and then people just polarized by this, and then the backdrop of Callan. Uh, Ka Kaepernick and all the other social injustice issues of our time, social media platforms that are blowing up. This thing went viral. It just went viral. And then those people who were not prepared, who didn't have open dialogues on different discourse around race relation or inclusion or equity and all that, they were at a disadvantage because the students and the student athletes and the college athletes and the college students were saying, this is enough. We're tired of this. We don't understand this. This is not who we are. And it, it wasn't just the folks of color saying that. It was all that was saying that. So it changed the way we as higher education professionals and athletic administrators were dealing with because, oh, I dropped that because this is right, real. Right. You know, it's, here it is, people out there protesting. It, this is it. So it changed everything. And uh, for us at NIU, we had been very proactive in this area. Right. This is something that that didn't just come up with George Floyd for us. This has been an ongoing. I talked about my background, my history, my my overall process. But even with myself, we had some plans that we just threw out the window. We put a social action, social justice plan because right. my athletes came to me uh, and they weren't just uh, athletes of color. They were majority athletes. It was everybody saying, Sean, you know, this is. We're upset about this. We want to talk about this. We want to take this to the streets about this. I said, okay, no problem. But we're going to do it the right way. We're not going to break any laws. We're going to do peaceful protests and everything else. So it was different for us. But for others, it wasn't. It was It was a, oh, my God, we, we have to change what we do because this is real. The, the world is speaking. You know, they were picketing and protesting across the world in Paris, France. You know, this yes. wasn't just here in America. And you have to be able to take a look at this and be responsible, uh, uh, be responsible. It would be irresponsible not to address the issues of its time. That's why it was so powerful. And when you saw the images on the social media platforms and, and TV, it's real. It's still real. So I think it's, it's changed the way we do business as higher education professionals. And uh, we have to pay attention to that and keep our, our young adults uh, uh, close to us about what do what can we supply you? Then we throw in COVID nineteen and the pandemic and all the other issues that go along with that. So you can see this is extremely, really challenging in managing all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you think about it, um, we were able to. I won't say able to. We were forced. We were forced in 2020 to deal with all this, right? Yes. Because it was it was in your face. It was on live TV. But you know these things have been happening. And one thing that as as I looked at the players on our team, and I looked at the players on teams that I have buddies on, and you know, as they talked about what was going on, uh, this generation of student athlete, they have a different platform than than you and I did, right? No question. To today, no anybody question. can be a reporter if they have a telephone, right? That's you got right. a cell phone, you can be a reporter. And so social media, you can touch millions of people by your words on social media. You type 140 characters, whatever that number is, and you can go around the world. And so these young people, they understand that. And, and they, it seems, are much more, much more committed to to no, we won't change now. No, we want to see something different right now. Whereas I would say my generation of student athlete, we were much more understanding of things take time, right? These these young people, they want it different and they want it different right now. Why? Because they can push their button on their phone and they can 
they can get it. They can push a microwave right now and they can get it. And I, um, and I think that's a, that's a big point. <clears throat> so let's shift gears one more time. And let's talk about you when, when you're hiring, okay, a person, a coach. I understand and, and in, in listening and, and learning over the years, I understand how important it is for a prospective head coach. He has to have a certain presence about him. He has to, when you look at him, if I'm the head coach at eight, if I'm the athletic director at ABC University, I have to imagine that man or that woman, I have to imagine that person leading my program. And, and there's a lot that goes into that. But what I would ask you is, is what is it that goes, what goes into that for you as the athletic director when it comes to hiring a key position on your staff, such as a head coach? Yeah. No, I, you know, and, and I've done that just recently, you know, did that with our head football coach with Thomas Hammock uh, about, about a year and a half ago. And then just recently with Sean uh, Bruno uh, with our head men's basketball coach. And uh, so again, yeah, I had some, I had some uh, experience in that area uh, and, and taking a look at the profile. You know, one of the things that was interesting is that you know, and I've been talking to a number of assistant coaches like this is a good time to be able to kind of cultivate, get to know young talent and folks that are out there. Some great conversations I've been, been having, some really great talent out there. Um, I think for, for, for folks to keep in mind is that, you know, you are your brand, right? And how do you manage that? And how do you make sure that you communicate that? And how do you make sure that you make sure that your, your brand and who you are are in sync with what the needs are at whatever university uh, that starts to have an opportunity. So one of the things that I always tell folks is say, you know, hey, be authentic. Right. You know, be the same guy or gal you were on Monday, is it on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, you know, they chuckle about that. But, you know, I want to be able to call you up and I get the same energy, the same person, the, t the same uh, um, results, the same expectations. I want to be able to have that. And I want that to be a hallmark of how you do business. And, you know, being authentic is being who you are, right? right. Not some type of created uh, image that you might get off of the internet or somebody else that's not you, okay? Right. Be you. And how you be you is come up with your own core values, mission, vision about what you see yourself accomplishing. Okay. So once that's done, then I can, I can live that. I can understand that. I can see how that fits in and how that's going to be a part of who we are. Right. Here at NIU, we have this thing called the hard way. It's a good old fashioned blue collar, roll up your sleeve, get after it. You know, this is who we are. It's the hard way. We get it done the hard way. That's who we are. So we've adopted that. So we're not going to change that. That's not going to be, you know, manufactured someplace yeah, else. That's right. not just for right. the year. That's right. not the saying that we deal with. That's who we are. That's the team that we are. That's what, who we are. So, you know, we want to see how you fit into that. We need to see how you can articulate that message. We want to see the authentic nature of who you are fitting into that process. So that process is key. So I think that for an overall process uh, in general is really about making sure that you know who you are, who people think you are, and that your overall branding, you know, let people say, okay, what are you hearing out there? What do they think about you? It used to be what you know, then who you know. Now it's who knows you. I've said this a number of times. Yeah. Some people get it right away. Some people know. People have already assigned the brand and image of who you are before you know it. And what you don't want to do is all of a sudden find this out and then you don't know. You need to fill the narrative about who you are. Let right. people understand who you are. So all of a sudden when I get a resume, oh, I, I know him and I know Van or this is what he, I, I got something. So it's very important to establish that uh, in a way. So I look for for, for NIU, it might be a little different than what I'm looking for at Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a different viewpoint. Not to say it's too far away, too Midwest, hardworking, blue-collar, get-after-it type mentality, but there's a different framework for Wisconsin, obviously, there is for NIU. 
And I think it's really important to be able to establish that, understand who you are. And then when you come into the interview session, you can speak to that. And then I'm not questioning, you know, your overall uh, support for, for, for our program, because I got a good understanding based on your authentic nature. Which I, I think, you know, that goes into another point when you talk about a coach who is, who is looking to be a head coach that you don't, you don't just go and you don't just jump on anything because it, it might not be a fit for you. You might not be a fit for the university. University might not be a fit for you, which I think I, I understand that could be difficult for a coach. Man, I want to be a head coach. So I got, but you're not setting yourself up for success if you go into a situation that's not a good fit. I always, I, there's a book, uh, I can't remember what book I, I read it from, but it says once in a lifetime opportunities that's just what they are. That <laughs> yeah. means it's the right fit. Correct. Right? Yes, it's once in a lifetime, not the right, right. fit. Uh, right. <clears throat> another another book that I, I'm, I've read it a few times, The Energy Bus. Yes. The Energy Bus, uh, you know, different people get different things from, from books. Yeah, what right. I got is that, is that, you know, I'm here to check my mission mm. is to change the world through sports. And, and so when you talked a minute ago about knowing who you are, I think it's important that, that people, coaches, athletic directors, that we all decide who, who we are in that way. Like you said, but what is our mission, right? It's got to be bigger to me. It's got to be bigger than me coaching somebody to play man-to-man or me winning a conference championship. It's got to be bigger than that. And if, if it is just that, it's so, it's so limiting, you know, I think as as a head coach, you have the opportunity to influence GAs. You have the opportunity to influence assistant coaches. You have opportunity to influence administrative assistants. You have the opportunity, of course, to influence the players. And so to to take that great responsibility, you know, and and look at it as an opportunity to change the world because the running back, right, Mm -hmm. freshman running back on the team, I'm going to coach him throughout his career. And then he's going to have a kid and then that kid is going to have a kid mm-hmm. and that kid's kid is the one who's going to find a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. But it was because of the way I coach the grandfather, <laughs> the way I coach the grandfather, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. the morals and the ideals that I gave. Uh, and that's, that's really the way I look at it. I got one final question for you and you kind of alluded to it earlier the young Sean Frazier, what would you tell that dude that you know now to help him navigate a little bit better? Yeah. Yeah. I tell him it's a great, that's a great thing. Cause uh, someone asked me to, to write a piece very similar to that. And I, I, I think uh, you'll get it first here. You know, I, I think the biggest issue is have patience. I think a lot of times, you know, and I remember this, and uh, I had a, I have a great mentor by the name of Jim Livingood. Jim Livingood is a former athletic director, University of Arizona, UNLV, Southern, uh, Southern Illinois, and Washington State. He had an illustrious career, just a great human being, and got paired up in an NCAA uh, a program called the NCAA Fellows Program, which is now the NCAA Pathways. And we got paired up, and um, it really changed my life because, you know, he was a top five, still is in my eyes, a top five athletic director. He's retired now. God bless him. And we still talk to this day. And, you know, um, he, I remember he talked to my wife one time. He said, you know what, Sean's a, he's a young bull. He's going he's gonna to be in that pen and he's going to keep on bucking until he gets uh, what he feels that he deserves. But uh, you know what, um, ride him out because he'll be, He'll be an old bull one day, and um, he'll be able to teach the young bulls about patience, humility, understanding. And uh, I remember that. You know, I, I go through it as, uh, as I'm sitting at FBS athletic director and talk to him today. But as many, you know, he, he said that to Rosa, uh, my bride, and, uh, you know, everything that was open. Okay, yeah, I can do that job. I can do this job. But again, it was the right fit. It was the right timing. Um, and I learned from him and, uh, that's what I would tell my, my, uh, 
my 20 something, 30 something year old AD, you know, as a 53 year old man to my, my 30 year old AD, I'm just different. I'm, I'm more experienced, I'm understanding, I'm more seasoned, I have more patience, I have more humility, I have a better understanding about, about people, about the human capital that really runs these programs. It's not me, you know, I'm a servant leader. That's what I do. I'm here to make sure that people are in the right situation so they can realize their dreams, goals, and aspirations. So obviously I did not have that at age 30 or, or younger. And right. I would, if I go back in time, I would say, listen, have patience. It's going to come to you, but have patience. So I think that's probably the biggest thing that I would tell my younger, my younger self. So, so I'm, uh, <clears throat> I always, now, it's like I'm not going to have the opportunity to go back and listen and watch this again, but I always take notes. Good. And, uh, you know, you said something, you said something, uh, one of your mentors, he, he said something to the young bull who was banging his head on the fences. <laughs> and sometimes we deal with that. We deal with young bulls. And, and so one, the first point I make is that they do listen. You know, they do listen. Even though you don't think they're listening, they listen because you listen. And then, and then the next point, the patience. Um, I, I was talking to, actually, it's, it's been said a few times when we asked, I asked that question, patience. And it's about the process. You know, when you think about your grandmother, me, think about my grandmother when we come to, to visit uh, and she prepares a meal. Um, grandmother was preparing that meal. It, we coming on Saturday, on Sunday, but grandmother started preparing that meal on Friday. And, and it was a slow process for grandmother. By the time you arrived, that's why grandmother's cooking is always the best. By the time you arrived on Sunday to, to partake in that meal, it was like she did some magic to it, right? Because grandmother didn't have the microwave. That's right. You know, she, her meals didn't take 15 or 20 minutes. And so it's a process. And, and you don't see the results as you're working through it. Right. You don't not, nothing pops up. There's no ding that tells you, OK, you're almost there. You're getting better. Keep going. Most of the time, you just got to put your head down and keep working. Like you said, it's a process. So I, I definitely know that's a um, that's a great point. And the final thing is, is you spoke on uh, the great Mary Norvell, uh, who I had a relationship with as well and uh, always considered a great friend and, and a great leader. Uh, but much like I, I would consider you. John, uh, you're, you're a role model for young people. Well, I won't even call myself young, uh, <laughs> not in public. Um, but, but you're a role model for young people. You're a role model for people like myself. And uh, I, I really appreciate you for your spirit and for all that you do. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you on and to be connected with you. Well, no, I, I, man, I appreciate you doing this. And this is always good. You know, these are, these are I've listened to a number of your your talks and uh, the people that you've had on and you're doing God's work uh, because I think at the end of the day, we just need to listen to people that have gone through some things, you know, some situational leadership issues and just in general, you know, uh, you're, 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 we are lifelong long learners, you know, and, and this is good. This is a great medium. You do a fantastic job. Please keep it up. Any way that I can help you uh, provide any insight, you, know, you got me. It's good. It's good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you. 